at the end of the day, like no matter what happens, when we seek the things of the kingdom and when we're able to wholeheartedly say like, this is who I'm going to follow and this is what I'm going to place my trust in, um, you know, I, you know, it's, it's a really big blessing to be able to do that. Hey, uh, welcome to the Decision Point podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hobson, president of Decision Point, where our mission is to proclaim the gospel to the next generation till every student has hurt. And Decision Point is calling a generation of young leaders to stand for Christ, live for Christ, witness for Christ, and endure hardship for his name because we believe Jesus is worth it. And I believe Decision Point has some of the boldest students in America in our program. And I'm so excited to have some of these bold and courageous students uh, with us on the show today. Uh, today, we've got Emily and Aiden from the San Francisco Bay. Uh, guys, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Yep, thank you for having us. Hey, it's great to have you. Uh, by way of introduction, uh, Emily is a student and a senior at Cupertino High, and Aiden is a student at Lehigh uh, all in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, I had a great time being out with these guys uh, in their neck of the woods just a couple weeks ago. They had a large gathering of students and pastors from all across the Bay Area uh, gathering together to worship the Lord, to pray for this generation, and to share even stories of what God's been doing at their schools. Uh, I think technically I got to be uh, the privilege of being like the keynote speaker or something like that. So I got to give a message from the word and I hope encourage and exhort uh, all of the students there that night. Uh, but I got to tell you guys, I was so encouraged and exhorted by you uh, and the other students who shared al along with you testimonies of what God's doing right there in your midst. And of course, by being with uh, the amazing pastor partners that uh, we have uh, together there in the Bay. So I'm just so excited to have you guys on and to share your stories with our, our wider audience, uh, what you shared that night. You know, I, as I hear your stories and as you tell them, I mean, you guys are just, you know, you guys are just so cool about all the stories that you share. Somebody could hear the stories that you're going to share on the episode today and get a sense that somehow all of the things that you guys are doing is just easy for you. But I know you're human. You're just going on the record. You guys are just regular people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We got a confirmation. Just regular people. Um, what challenges do you guys feel, and what challenges do you guys face as you seek to be courageous witnesses for Christ today? I think as a high schooler in general, a lot of the difficulties that we face is like. Oh, especially in this time of our lives, like we're surrounded by social influences um, and like the people around us. And so um, being in this like period of time, it's like, oh, what if someone thinks this about me or what if my friends don't want to talk to me? And I think that's a very universal experience and a universal fear that I think a lot of um, like teenage high school, middle school Christians go through, which is like completely understandable. Um, and I think especially when stepping out as a Christian or stepping out as a, as a witness for Christ um, on campus, there's obviously a lot of difficulty regarding like advisors or admin, um, but sort of in that hesitancy in that gray area of like, oh, what well, do I really want to go all in for Christ or do I kind of want to play it safe? I think that that gray area is like a, lo a little difficult sometimes. How about how about from you, Aiden? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge uh, for me at least and for a lot of my peers when we evangelize on campus is getting over like personal doubts and like personal feelings, like embarrassment, especially cause like 
our culture, especially in high school, is like based all around sin and like partying, doing drugs. And then like there is some good like uh, doing sports and just hanging out like normal. But a lot of it is based around that. So when you like step out and say, I'm a Christian and I'm a devout Christian, and I'm really I stand firm in my faith, then you're already like kind of not fitting in. And in high school, a lot of people have trouble fitting in. But as a Christian, you need to be exile. So I'd say the hardest like challenge is just uh, understanding that you're going to be an exile as a Christian at, in your high school. And that you may feel like embarrassed or nervous, but you need to get over that because like you have the cure and you're trying to give it to everybody. So you can't feel embarrassed because that's a selfish of you. So yeah, that's the biggest challenge. Okay. So a lot of reputations, a lot of stuff on the line. Um, and then I guess one other question for you, just as we're getting going here, as you guys, I mean, your students, you're, uh, Aiden, you are a freshman, right? Yeah, I'm a freshman. Yeah. And Emily, you're a senior. So we got the full range of the high school uh, spectrum here today. Uh, when you look at your peers, um, I mean, what, what grips your heart about their need to meet Jesus today? I think a lot of them are just have a lost soul and like a lost heart and they're getting into a lot of the wrong things at the wrong time, especially when you're at a young age, your brain is just developing and you're just like, it's like you're building a keyboard. And then when you uh, do all these sinful things, you're like jamming up the keyboard. So then when you're older and you're fully developed the A key is going to be over here. You know, you understand. So I just think a lot of people are lost and I can see myself in them because before I found Christ, I was lost and I didn't have a clear purpose in life. But then after I found him, I have a clear purpose. So I just want to give all those people a clear purpose because a lot of them don't resonate with uh, get a good career, uh, have a family, retire, and then just die. They want to have like a bigger purpose in life. So I think that's the biggest uh, like encouragement for me, like, uh, wanting to evangelize to students because I think they need a purpose and I can see myself in them. Yeah, that's great. I, we're looking forward to hearing more about your story of how the Lord uh, brought you to faith in just a minute. But uh, Emily, what what would you say? What what grips your heart for your peers on campus? I think as a senior, um, as I'm like looking to the future, I think it's a, it's like a very sobering reality that the uh, there's like the statistic where it says like, you know, 90, if not 95% of the people that you see on a daily basis, and they like make up your life, you're not going to see them, or you're not, you're not going to talk to them after graduation. And so like looking forward to sort of like this new chapter, but also realizing that a lot of the people that I care for, and I talk to, and like, I sit next to a math class or something, like I'm not going to see them ever again. And I think within that, there is beauty in knowing that as a body of Christ, that this life isn't just this life that there is a another better reality that we're all going towards um and even if i don't see a certain brother i don't see a certain sister i don't see a certain um like a role model in the church there is like a level of of peace and certainty and knowing that you know like it's okay like i'll still see them in heaven i'll be able to worship with them but it's also a very sobering unfortunate reality that for a lot of people like yes i won't see them after graduation but I don't have the luxury and the certainty of knowing that I'll see them after this life as well. Um, And so as a senior uh, coming out of high school and knowing that like some people, they might hear the gospel for the first time in high school, but it also might be the last time that they hear it. And just because I might see other people and and I will see other people after this life as a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be able to see the people that I care about and love, um, after that as well and so knowing that and 
really understanding like the 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 tight timeline that we're on in really sharing the love of Christ and really sharing the gospel and and being a witness to the truth I think having that on my conscience as I look to the future has been a really big motivator in a sense. Well, looking forward to hearing more of your story in a minute, Emily, because I know you you launched into this mission to reach your school just this last semester as a as a senior. And, and I wonder, maybe just one more question for you before we dive into each of your stories a little bit more detail. I mean, what what's that like looking at your senior year thinking, man, this is the last chance I got to share Christ with these people? Honestly, I think no, before going into senior year, I didn't really think about it. I was like, you know what, last year, whatever. Um, but actually, what something that I got encouraged by during SLC last year was um, Mr. Dacus, Brad Dacus, he was like, oh, you know, the certain liberties and the freedoms that you have in high school are very unique to this time in your life where the the certain like types of things that are protected within the walls of, of the American public school system, like you don't have that when you graduate and this is a very special unique time and so i was like shoot he's right and really wanting to make the most of what i've been blessed with um in this specific time because after the semester like i'm never going to be able to come back to where i am right now um and really taking it upon the urgency of the gospel where i am right now that's great. Well, okay, we want to dive into both your stories a little bit. So, Aiden, let's start with you. Uh, you gave us a little bit of a teaser there just a minute ago, talking about how you can see yourself and your peers, uh, because it wasn't that long ago that you came to know the Lord. How did you become a believer, and when was that? Yeah, so uh, leading up to eighth grade, I went to church, I think, once or twice a year on Christmas and Easter, and I was an atheist, or I believe myself to be an atheist, and I didn't really like have the Lord at all in my life. And then in eighth grade, my good friend, Isaac, he invited me to a Bible meeting and like my mom kind of raised me with a good connotation about Christianity. So I decided to just jump on that and join. So I joined and then I started going every week. And then after like five weeks, I actually started inviting people to the club already. And then in that same summer or the summer after eighth grade, uh, we started doing online meetings every every night, and that like really helped me grow in my faith because it was just consistently taking time out of my day to like try to get closer to God and try to uh, be more involved in Scripture. And then when inv- Isaac invited me to his church, I started getting a lot closer to God, and just like having that strong community of fellowship really helped me get closer to God. So like that's how I kind of got close to God, I guess, and how I built my relationship and faith. So that was just that was just a year ago. Yeah, that was just yeah a year ago or a little bit less actually. That's amazing. And so you got involved even at the the Christian club that Isaac was leading at your middle school. Yeah, and then I after like five weeks, like I told you, I started going out and handing out invitations to people and my friends and stuff. So okay, so tell us about that. How did you go from a new believer to all of a sudden you're you're out sharing the gospel, you're inviting people to come. What were some of the things that you've been doing now and what were some of the things you've been doing now to share the gospel uh, with what sounds like just a ton of people? Oh no, I've always been like, re- after like I found my faith and I really built that firm relationship, I realized like, okay, I need to share my, I need to let people know, I need to introduce them to my good friend, Jesus Christ, you know, cause I saw how much like he changed me. I saw like he gave me just a clear purpose in life. And I think that's a lot of things people, a lot of things people struggle with is having a purpose in life. So that just really been motivating me. And then some of the things I've been doing is like um, on Halloween, there was like a fake bit of prop money on the ground. So I picked it, I picked up a hundred dollar bill. I said, would you rather have a hundred dollars or one minute with Jesus Christ? 
And I just kind of like started off a conversation like that. And I think that helped people get engaged because sometimes asking them immediately, like, do you know Jesus Christ is a little like uh, upfront and too straightforward. So I think that really like, that's like one of the ways I evangelize. And then also I do interviews and I post it on Instagram. Sometimes it's where I ask them, like, what do you think happens after you die? And then I have them describe the relationship with Jesus Christ. So I've just been really motivated uh, to evangelize. And I think those are like the two biggest ways I've been evangelizing, just like going around during lunch and asking like other students at my school. That's amazing. You had a, you shared a story that night about uh, you did this hundred dollar. I've never heard of this hundred dollar bill or fake hundred dollar bill opener and some girl making fun of you, but then coming back around. Can you share with us that story? Oh yeah. So I was doing that. Like, would you rather have a hundred dollars or one minute with Jesus Christ? And she kind of like made a joke out of it. And like, really, she like did not believe it at all. And she did not care. And she was kind of like laughing at me when I was asking another person like that was kind of near her. And then a week later, all I was doing was just like praying for her and like others that I evangelized to. She literally asked me, I didn't say a word to her in that week. She asked me like, Hey, Aiden, can you like tell me more about God? And like, and to this day, she's like been joining the Christian club meetings at Lee at the same school every Friday. So I think that's good. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. And then tell us more about this. Uh, you say you go around and you share the gospel with people and you, you do an interview style and you post the interviews on Instagram. I mean, tell us more about that and how's that working for you? Yeah. So like I told pastor grace this, uh, my goal is to like start evangelizing every uh, day at school during lunch, like when I'm not doing Christian club or fellowship, a Christian athlete club. So I've been trying to do that. And I think recording people, I think somebody said this at Super Summit, it makes them a lot more engaged because they're like going online and they're actually part of an interview. So yeah, I've been trying to do it every day during lunch. I just walk up to somebody who's sitting by themselves, looks a little lonely or just some random group of people. And I ask them if they want to be part of an interview for the club. And I just start asking them questions. And I always end off with telling them like, I'm not doing this for just like for my, my club to get more people or for me so I can have like a big club or whatever. I tell them that I'm doing it out of like my love and respect for them because I want I want them to be saved and I want them to like, like I said earlier, like meet my good friend, Jesus Christ and be changed by him. So yeah, I think it's been, it's been good, but there's a lot of people that are uh, very distant from God and that don't want to be close to God. They think they've sinned too much to like, have a relationship with God. And I've been trying to tell them that it's your choice to let him into your life. It's not God's choice. He's always waiting at the other side of the door. It's your choice to let him in. So uh, tell me more about the responses that you're getting. So, I mean, people have a lot of different preconceptions about the responses that, Hey, if we go around and share the gospel, people are going to just hate us. They're going to make fun of us. They're not going to be interested. Um, that happens, but also we find people are open and eager. What, what type of responses are you seeing? Are you seeing the full range of everything from people just making fun of you to, uh, people ready to give their lives to Jesus? What, what's that looking like for you? Most of the people I'd say 90% are very open to the possibility that there is a God and that it's Jesus Christ. And I think when I first started evangelizing, I thought it would be like that big, like mountain of just unbelievers that would like belittle me for my faith and like persecute me and all that stuff. But Actually, when I started evangelizing, I realized that people are a lot nicer when you get to know them and when you actually have a conversation with them than you think. And a lot of people, they actually are very open to the idea and I mean, to the truth, right? So at first I, I had a lot of feelings of nervousness and I was almost a little embarrassed about it. And like now I'm just super confident when I do it because I know I've, I've had every answer been told to me, the good ones and the bad ones. So like I know what to expect. And 
really what you should expect is like literally like eight or 10, eight or nine out of 10 people will like have a good conversation with you and not like be just like totally distant from the idea, I guess. God's with us. And we think we, I think we undersell Jesus. I mean, he's the most captivating figure in all of human history. And still to this day, 2,000 years later, people are genuinely interested and eager to hear about Jesus. So I think you're you're spot on, Aiden. Last question for you, Aiden. You shared uh, about the chance that you've now had to share the gospel even with members of your family. Uh, can you tell us anything about that? Yeah. So I think uh, at first I was having, or at first I like when I started evangelizing, I'm like, oh shoot, I'm evangelizing to the random people, but I literally have people in my family that aren't Christian, right? So I would have those like tough conversations with them and it, it didn't really like go too far. And I think we just kind of ended at like disagree to agree to disagree. But then I think the biggest uh, encouragement I have to people that are having the same challenge is instead of trying to just force it on them, which I wasn't, but like instead, instead of trying to force it on them and just keep talking to them about it, lead your life by example and be a shining light as a Christian because then they'll see how much God is improving your life and what clear purpose he's giving you. And then they'll see that and they'll want to have that same purpose and they want to be changed the same way. So that's kind of helped uh, me and my family grow in my faith. And then my brother and me had a big argument about God and he was kind of hinting at that God wasn't real and that the Bible is incredible. And I was just not like incredible, but incredible. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, me and him had a big argument and I just stood firm in my faith. I didn't really say anything that was not in the Bible. I, I think in Revelation, it says, if you add or take away anything, you will be like punished for that. So I was just trying to uh, like quote good verses for him and he still didn't believe. So I just literally spent like five days of praying and in our Bible meetings we do every night, I asked them, everybody to pray for him. And I think like four days after that, uh, after that argument, he sent me a text. He's like, I realized everything you said was right. And he said he realized when he lives in the same principles that God taught us through Jesus, he has a lot more peace and he has a lot more purpose in his life. So that's how I've been kind of uh, sharing the gospel to my family, I guess. Yeah. That's great, Ed. And I think that's a great example, too, of a, a combination that we need to have a, a, a genuine lifestyle that backs up, that we really do believe what we say we believe and that Christ really has changed our lives. Uh willingness to actually speak, speak the truth, and share the gospel, defend the truth, not back down from it. And then I love that last part of your story, prayer. I mean, it was amazing hearing your story after you said you guys, if I remember you said you guys like prayed for five minutes of just pure intense prayer for your brother, and then to hear yeah. uh, a great breakthrough, uh, way to go. Well, Aiden, thanks for being here. We'll, we're going to come back to you at the very end, just see what final word of encouragement you would have for students across the country. But what we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then after that, we're going to hear from Emily. Uh, Emily mentioned SLC, which stands for Student Leader Conference. We're going to take a quick break and hear about the Student Leader Conference that I hope uh, every student listening to will join us for. And then we'll hear more from Emily's story right after that. It's Heather. What if you could spend one week this summer with like-minded students that love Jesus and together want to reach this generation with the gospel? I want to invite you to join us for Decision Point's Student Leader Conference 2024. Come be equipped to live, stand, and witness, and even endure for Christ in your everyday life. 
We'll be there in Denver, Colorado this summer, July 15th to the 19th. Students, youth pastors, and leaders will gather from across the country to worship the Lord, be trained up, prayed up, and then go back to reach their schools and generation with the gospel. Dynamic guest speakers will equip you in your faith. We'll talk apologetics. You'll hear from culturally relevant speakers that don't shy away from a biblical worldview, equipping you in even hard conversations you may face today. Come, be trained in your leadership. Hear how to reach your school and peers for Christ and grow in your evangelism as we get to go downtown witnessing in Denver. You'll get to meet like-minded believers that will encourage you and even build lasting friendship. You'll have unforgettable memories and truly it is a week that can change everything. I can't wait to be at SLC 2024 with students like you from across the nation. So what are you waiting for? Go register today, slc2024.org. Tell your youth pastor about it. Come with a group of students from your youth group or Christian club and register today at slc2024.org. That's slc2024.org. Hey, well, welcome back. I'm now here with Emily. Emily is a senior at Cupertino uh, High School in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. Uh, Emily, you shared with us a moment ago about just the motivation that you see feel, uh, and especially how you felt it as a senior. So can you tell us more about what made you decide that you wanted to do something big uh, to bring the gospel to Cupertino High School before you graduate in just a couple months? Yeah, so going into senior year, the summer before actually, um, what I got really convicted of was uh, like going into senior year, I think there's like the expectation of like, you know, live your life, your senior year, your year, like the most, make the most amount of memories, make the most amount of friends. And I think, I think to a point it's understandable and I think it's very prevalent, right? But something that was really convicting um, and like kind of shifted my entire mind. So was I really felt the Lord saying, you know, like, look at how much I've grown you in the past three years and leading up to, to your senior year. Like, look at how much I've allowed you to grow and look where I've brought you. So when you go into this year, like, I don't want you to make it your year. Like, I want you to make it my year. And I was like, I'm like, okay, God, senior year last year. And so I went into to this final final chapter in a sense with the mindset of like oh you know this isn't the the final chapter dedicated to myself but it's it's an opportunity and it's a blessing and a privilege to be able to share the gospel in this final chapter um <clears throat> so making that commitment and going in and also uh being uh incredibly blessed to be able to serve on the officer team i went in with the with the notion and the mindset of like oh you know like really sharing the word and really living this last year uh, to be a testament to Christ's love. So you launched into this. You guys planned an outreach week. Uh, you guys had one of the, our set-free outreaches at your high school, as I recall. Can you tell us more about um, what did that outreach actually look like? What did you see God do through that outreach? Honestly, like, to say that it's a blessing, like, that's a, <laughs> such an understatement. <laughs> um, like, the Lord's been really good. And, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not to say it was easy, but... Like it, he has been so good, and there were so many different obstacles and challenges that in my in the back of my head, like there was like a tiny bit of doubt where I was like, like there's no way that this is gonna happen. Like realistically, like how is this gonna happen? Um, whether that was like getting the room, whether that was like getting availability, I was like, I was like low key, like low key, no way, God. 
Um, but every single time God just pulled through, he allowed things that I never could have imagined happen, happen. And, um, at the end we saw three people commit their lives to the first, commit their lives to Christ for the first time, 28 recommitments. And it was honestly just a really blessed time of being able to like be a witness and be able to share the truth in a place that like freshman year me, like I never thought would have been possible. Uh, what's that feel like when you're seeing people come and seeing people respond to the Lord? What I mean, what are you feeling on the inside? Honestly, like at the core of it, it's it's just gratitude. Like, like for the Lord to have worked in such a like a miraculous way, um, and in, in the midst of my weaknesses, in the midst of my shortcomings, truly like His power is made perfect through that, and being able to just like see that unfold and and see that process happen, and see see the ways that the Lord's working in the small details, but also in the big picture. I think it's been an incredible blessing and it's not even the the fact of a matter of like being like rewarding or or worthwhile on my own end but the fact that like I have this like honor of being able to truly testify like wow like this is God working like this is how Christ is changing lives this is how people's eyes are being opened like just being able to see that and just being able to um understand and and have this privilege of being able to um be used for the kingdom and and to be able to serve in ways that I never thought I'd be that it would be possible for me to do I think it's been it's been really it's been really a huge blessing yeah well I know uh it hasn't all been easy uh you shared um some of the challenges that you guys faced along the way uh, and even some of the challenges even within the club itself as you guys are setting out to do this big thing can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got saw God working even through those challenges. I mean, the small things about like, oh, we didn't have a room or like, I didn't know if I would like it. But at the core of it was a lot of internal tension and and disagreements within the club's officer team and the advisor. Um, because long story short, uh, we were like, let's do this outreach week. Um, and then we got to it and we were like, oh, yeah, you know, we're connected to this organization called Decision Point. Um, where our advisor, she like disagreed with the pillars of belief, um, namely, uh, the, the last pillar on gender and sexuality, which is like its whole own, own whole thing. Um, but she essentially was like, oh, you know, I don't like decision point as an organization. I don't agree with the, the principles that they hold. I don't agree with their pillars of belief. Um, and so therefore I'm really hesitant about, doing this outreach week i'm really hesitant about bringing in guest speakers that are affiliated with decision point i'm really hesitant with uh, adults coming in that may have like, harm legends um to a community that has uh like has its own nuances and has its own culture and so uh it came to a point where she was like oh yeah you know like this can i name drop i'll name drop but we we, we have the blessing of being able to invite pastor barnaby over uh to to truly just speak the gospel in the most purest simplest form and uh she was like you know i don't agree with decision point and therefore i'm i'm very disagreeing with inviting pastor barnaby in but since you guys worked so hard and and, and i want to respect your guys's uh work that was put into it like we'll we'll let him come and so he spoke right um but even in during that uh outreach week and leading up to it um, I 
like went to her classroom a lot of times like I remember like in the middle of fifth period she emails me she's like hey are you free during lunch and I was like oh no a teacher is calling me to lunch to her classroom like I think that's scary for anybody um but I would go to her classroom and we would have these like 45 minute talks and where she would basically say you know like uh you know this is why I don't like decision point this is why I don't agree with the speakers this is what I don't want happening or don't I don't want this being said um and one of the times I went to her classroom and we were talking about like oh how is this outreach gonna work like what is this gonna look like and she like started crying um she was like you know like for me personally I hold a lot of like religious trauma and negative experiences which is you know it's I think at the core of it, it's it's very heartbreaking. Um, and so she was like explaining these things, uh, and and it's not to say that the church is perfect because the church is has broken people. But I think you know even more important than that, at the it, it's through that brokenness that we're able to see the beauty of Christ, right? And so she's explaining, you know, I don't want people to come in and be hurt. And I don't want this to happen. I don't want this person to say this thing. And it came to a point where it's like, why are we cutting stuff out out of the gospel? Because we are afraid of what the world might think. And at the core of it, like, why are we accounting for all of these variables, even so much so to the point where we're compromising just the essence of the gospel? Um, And so that was the fundamental disagreement that was happening because uh for me and and when we were planning this outreach week it was like the gospel is at the center and like that is the most primary objective it's not to say like you're doing this wrong this is your sin you're living this life that you shouldn't be living but it's really just sharing that good news because we're not able to change anyone as humans like it's it's only truly through christ and knowing uh the the character of who jesus is that we're able to be refined in that way um but during that outreach week uh basically exec was like oh you know we want to respect because i'm not the president i'm not the president but uh exec was like oh you know we want our advisor and if she doesn't want this then we're not going to do it or if the advisor is uncomfortable with this then we're not going to do this which again to point is understandable but it came to a point came to a point um where we were like oh yeah you know we're not going to do an invitation we're not going to do an alt call we're gonna say the gospel from a love-based approach instead of a sin-based approach um where it, the rationale behind it was like oh you know we want to just explain that Jesus loves everybody exactly the way that they are and that he loves you but then they wanted to take the sin part out of it because it could be like a negative connotation um and so there were a lot of just just a lot of disagreements and a lot of gospel-based fundamental obstacles um within within like my line of communication with the exec members and then my line of communication with the advisor um and so it it was like you know we're trying to just share the gospel purely as it is through this outreach week but why are we so focused on first of all like just an organization and not like the not not just simply the gospel and why are we so focused about all of these different possible scenarios happening or like what ifs and uh people's possible discomfort when we should just be sharing the gospel and we, when we can be bold and we can find strength through christ why are we so focused about all these different things that are hindering 
just the pure gospel from being spoken. Um, and so it was it was a lot of gospel-based disagreements, in a sense, uh, during that outreach week. But, I mean, in the midst of it, the Lord is good. God is good. So there's a lot there, Emily. I'd salute you for your commitment to the truth of the word. I mean, we all just share this heart for everybody to hear the love of God and the truth that can set them free. And we, we all know that we're all sinners. I mean, whatever our sin may be, we're all sinners before a holy God. And we can't share the message of the gospel without sharing both. God and his great love for people, but us and our great sin and rebellion against him. I mean, otherwise, why would Jesus have to die? What did he die for if it's not for our sin and out of his great love for us, even in that sin? And so I salute you for not uh, compromising that. And even on these matters, for those that don't know what uh, uh, Emily's referring to in our uh, doctrinal statement, you know, we're clear as an organization that we really do believe God's word and what it says about life, that it begins at conception. So we're probably pro-life at decision point. Uh, we're not embarrassed about that. Uh, we're, uh, we're also commitment committed to God's truth about gender, sexuality, marriage, uh, and how we should be living our lives in line with that. And we actually believe that one of the most loving things we can do to people is to just be open and honest about what God says about his world, the way he made it, and uh, what is going along with that, what's going against that, what's sinning against that. And that actually if we're just committed to the truth and we'll be committed to the open statement of the truth, as Paul tells us to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, good things are going to happen. I mean, people will respond differently, but if we're coming at it in a Holy Spirit-filled and empowered and motivated way, and out of a way of, of deep love for God and deep, genuine love for those whom we try to reach, uh, God's going to be honored in that, and good things are going to happen. And you guys saw some of those good things happen as Barnaby, who had been serving as our Bay Area director at Decision Point, came in and shared the gospel uh, but it wouldn't have happened, Emily, without you standing committed to the truth of God and saying, I'm not going to compromise or back down. So I salute you in that. Uh, the journey's not over for you. Uh, what What's this looking like for you now going forward as one, someone who wants to be committed to reaching people, uh, but also as someone who's unwilling to compromise the truth in order to do that? Yeah, so uh, coming out of this outreach week, um, even so we had a three-day outreach week, and on the Friday after when we were we were like, hey, let's meet up as an officer team. Let's individually uh, pray for each of the attendees. Let's do follow-ups. Um, we weren't able to do that because it ended up sort of being this heated disagreement, discussion slash debate about like what went wrong. This is why we didn't like the speakers. This is why this shouldn't have been said or this should have been said. Um, and so I'm just there and I'm like, I, I'm really sorry that, you know, things didn't go up to expectation or me or that, some of us disagree with just the the doctrines of an organization, but at the core of it, it's lives being saved and it's people knowing Christ. And so I, I told the president, I was like, I'm really sorry that this happened, but like three people committed their lives to Christ for the first time, 28 people recommitted. Like that's what matters to me. And this is, this is what matters. Like this is what we should be fighting for. Um, but during that like impromptu officer meeting, I guess the advisor, she came over and she was like, yeah, you know, like this only further confirmed my doubts about decision point and this only further 
um, revealed to me that I am very uncomfortable and I am very bothered and I think that they don't understand um, like the nuances of certain communities or certain people or that they think that the gospel is more important than people's feelings, which it is. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but it just came to a point where it's like, I was, I, I became more confirmed and it became more established that like, this is the beauty of the gospel and this is the urgency of it. And for a lot of the other officers and for the exec team and the advisor, it was like, yeah, we can't partner with this organization anymore because we felt that it was too upfront. It was too direct. It was too harsh. Um, and going into winter break, I was like really praying about it. I went to our, our youth groups retreat and I was like talking to pastors and other mentors. And, and I was like, God, what do I do? Because for me, like in that middle area, I guess it, you know, decision point isn't my God, but it is also, it is a vessel by which I serve him. And so in my head, it was like, if I stay in this club, it feels like I am denying my values and principles in a sense to leave a community that is rooted in the word and scripture and has been fervently praying and is rooting for the gospel. It's like, how could I leave that to stay with a an officer team that has compromised the word and has uh, uh, prioritized feelings over biblical truth? Um, and so as of right now, I have stepped down, um, but it's not the end. It is a beginning. Uh, my friend and I have actually started a Bible study. Uh, it's like a like a club meeting. It's like not a club meeting because we're not official, but it's like a Bible study. Uh, so we're meeting at lunch and we're just um, going th- we're going through James right now. Um, it's talking about and reflecting with other brothers and sisters that we met uh, through the year and just praying with one another. Um, we're planning or trying to do like more evangelism um and also like decision points uh like five gospel challenges um but that's where that's where we are right now well we salute you for your commitment and uh just be clear for anybody listening uh so we we help uh coach and mentor students that are in different christian clubs whether they're an official decision point club we if uh, we're happy to provide our coach and fellowship of christian athletes clubs or just independent christian clubs that are out there and so it was great to coach you as a leader in whatever the uh, name of the Christian club was or is at uh, your high school. And we certainly wish them all the best and, and uh, would love to sit down with your former club advisor at some point and see what uh, all the controversy is about and see if we couldn't help uh, work something out there. But it sounds like maybe there really are different philosophical, biblical convictions at play there. And so we'd love to help you uh, keep going as a just leader at your school and maybe get an official decision point uh, club going there at some point as well. But way to go. We don't compromise the truth in order to witness for Christ. That's a losing proposition. Uh, If you're a witness, you must be found truthful. And in the courtroom, if ever they can prove that a witness has lied about something, uh, they can discredit before the eyes of the jury everything else that they say. And yet somehow today, uh, believers have this sense that we need to either hide God's truth that he says openly and says just you can be open about it um, and, uh, and or distort that or pull back on some of it in order to uh, win people for the Lord. This is, this is lo- a losing strategy. Uh, it won't work. Uh, God's word is alive and powerful. God tells us that we're sinful. 
That doesn't mean that we must preach against every sin that's out there in our community every time we have a club meeting. That's not what you guys were even doing. Uh, but it certainly means we don't want to hide that, be embarrassed about it. And we certainly can't hide the fact that we're all sinners, right? So, hey, listen, those we're wrapping up. We're out of time. I'd love to give you both uh, just the final floor. Emily, I guess we'll start with you and then Aiden as we go out. Uh, what would you say to students that are listening to you today? And I guess maybe even about one question. Uh, you guys have embraced the high call of Christ to do hard things for Jesus. Um, Jesus says, on the one hand, my yoke is easy. On the other hand, he says, take up your cross. And you guys have chosen to take up your cross and do hard things for him. Uh, what joy uh, are you finding as you're embracing the high call of Christ for your lives? I think one of the biggest things that I like wrestled with going into this year was like, like, God, like, why are you telling me to do this? Like, I'm not even the president. Like, I haven't even been in this club as long as other people. So, I don't understand why you're placing me in a position where I'm clearly not qualified. Like my resume is blank for this. Um, but something I really feel the Lord telling me was like, he doesn't call on the qualified. He qualifies the cult. And, you know, and what a blessing it is that it is truly my weakness that his power is made perfect. And what a blessing it is that in my lackings and, and shortcomings that it's, that's where like the beauty of Christ is made all the more clear. Um, and so for I guess like anyone that is like hesitant about it, I think there is beauty in being prepared and also knowing like, yes, I, I am confident in this, but also at the same time, knowing that it's not by my strength and it's not by anyone's strength really that uh, we're able to truly do the work of the kingdom and, and set our sides, our sights to things of the kingdom. But it's really by the Lord's grace and, and by Christ that we're able to do these things and really just just being rooted in that knowledge and, and in the understanding of wholeheartedly trusting and lifting these things up to him. Um, like doing hard things for Christ, it's it's a, you know, we're fighting the good fight and it's a fight for a reason, but it's also good for a reason. And it's a blessing to be able to do it, but it's also a privilege and an honor. And knowing the goodness of the Lord, like it's all going to be worthwhile at the end of the day, like no matter what happens, when we seek the things of the kingdom and when we're able to wholeheartedly say like, this is who I'm going to follow and this is what I'm going to place my trust in. Um, you know, I, you know, it's, it's a really big blessing to be able to do that. Uh, for me, I'd say to all uh, other students that are trying to get into evangelizing and uh, doing God's work, that's sometimes a lot very hard. I tell them that you're never going to have 100% certainty, especially when evangelizing. So you have to have that trust in God and you have to have that faith that it's all part of God's plan when you're evangelizing. And I think when I first started out, I was extremely nervous and embarrassed, but you just have to understand that you have the cure. That's like, if you had a cure to cancer, you'd tell everyone and you'd be super bold about it and you wouldn't care about being embarrassed because that would be selfish of you. So if you have this uh, cure, which is Jesus Christ, that saves you for eternity, then you should be bold about it and you shouldn't care about any feelings of nervousness or embarrassment. And I'd say the feeling and the joy you get uh, from doing God's hard work is definitely just like a, for a fulfillment and peace. And that's the ultimate joy, just being 
being able to rest at peace and at fulfillment. And that's what you really get after doing God's hard work. So yeah. Amen. Well, guys, that's all the time we've got. Thanks so much for being here with us. Share this episode with a friend. You've got people in your life that need to hear uh, what Emily and Aiden shared today. So we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.